Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, where I go in-depth with the most intriguing people in the world of soccer. On today's show, two-time FIFA World Player of the Year, Carly Lloyd joins me to talk about her experience at Manchester City, including regular pep talks with an apartment block neighbor named Guardiola. He, you know, got my, my cell number and was wishing me good luck texting me, so it's pretty cool when you got Pep Guardiola. Yeah, you know, shoot, cool shoot you some good luck messages. Yeah. yeah. All that and my thoughts on soccer coming up. Take one. Here we go with my three thoughts on soccer. First up, it's still early in the MLS season, but it's not too soon to be impressed by what Jason Kreis is doing at Orlando City. The Lions have the most points in the league in 2017, and no team has played fewer games than Orlando. Watching Christ during his lone season at NYCFC was tough sometimes, not least because he was so hard on himself, even in public. But there's a reason Christ won trophies in Salt Lake, and we're seeing why in Orlando. His teams have an identity, and they play good soccer, even without any superstars. Orlando's 6-1 start to the season has been done almost entirely without Kaká. Now that Kaká is back from injury, it'll be up to Christ to make the chemistry continue to work. I think he'll do it. With Kyle Lahren scoring goals and a solid cast behind him, Orlando's gorgeous new stadium is the place to be in MLS right now. Take two. Next up, I just got back from a week-long work trip to Europe. The way modern media works, if you get used to doing long interviews and breaking news, you don't get to that many games anymore. I remember reading a Washington Post story about ESPN's fantastic NFL insider Adam Schefter that said he had not attended a single NFL game the previous season. It had been getting that way for me too, with more than a year passing since I'd seen an MLS game live where I live in New York City. So it was nice to be at the stadium last Thursday for Man City Man United. There are always going to be things you see and experience in the stadium that you just can't see on TV. And even though I love that soccer is so readily available on U.S. television these days, there's something that's still special about going to a game. Take three. Finally, this week's interview is with U.S. Women's National Team Captain Carly Lloyd. I met up with Carly at the City Football Academy, the sprawling complex in East Manchester that seems tailor-made for a gym rat like Lloyd. And sure enough, she spends a lot of her days there training, not just with the team, but by herself as well. Few athletes are as committed to their preparation as Lloyd is, and you could tell how happy she was at City. I think you'll enjoy my interview with Carly Lloyd. We're in Manchester, England, and our guest today has won one World Cup title, two Olympic gold medals, and the last two FIFA World Player of the Year awards. Carly Lloyd has been playing on a short-term contract with Manchester City before returning to the Houston Dash once she's done here in May or early June. Carly, thanks for joining me. No problem. This is very cool here, by the way, just for listeners, like the, the scene here right now, we're overlooking the vast expanse of Manchester City's Football Academy and Etihad Stadium in the background. I visited here for the first time last year and came away stunned by how nice the facilities are here at Manchester City. Is that something that you sort of realized the second you set foot here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I first came here to visit, um, 
you know, in a, in a very informal meeting, um, just to get a look at the facilities, meet the coach, Nick. Um, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. It was like I entered a new city, um, hence city. Um, so yeah, when you come here, you drive through, you see all the pitches, you see, you know, where the first team are, um, where we are, the academy stadium where we play. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, every detail has gone into this place and everything you can imagine is here, right here. I would suggest also to any U.S. fans listening here, come to Manchester and see some games. Don't just go to Old Trafford. Come to see a game at Man City as well because uh, – the culture here for football is pretty amazing. Uh, is that something that you've had a chance? I know you haven't been here that long, but to sort of tap into the football culture here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's definitely different being here versus being Amer- in America. Um, you don't get the same vibe. You know, it's a culture here. It's a, it's a religion. It's rituals. Um, and I think... You know, I had a different persona of Manchester City before I had come here. And after meeting Ferran and, you know, just... Ron Soriano, by the way, yes. is the... What's his title here? He is the CEO. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I got to sit down with him and, you know, speak to him and speak about the NWSL and the potential for a women's team in New York to come. And, you know, he he's just... He's had this vision... And the organization has had this vision of, you know, just just building this unbelievable facility, uh, culture, you know, team. They've done it in, um, you know, Australia as well, Melbourne and New York as well. So, mm. you know, you, you just have seen kind of where they started, his ideas, his philosophy, and they've really, um, you know, put it to paper and they've they've done it. And after I walked away, after speaking with him, I thought to myself, you know, this this is a vision that they had and they wanted to create and they went out and created it. And they're doing it all around the world, which is unbelievable. Timing wise, this is going to be coming out, this podcast on Tuesday, May 2nd, though we're recording on April 26th. That's only slightly complicated because by the time this comes out, you will have played your return leg uh, in your Champions League semifinal against Lyon. You're down 3-1 heading into the second leg. Still a chance, obviously. Uh, But City is also in its first Women's FA Cup final coming up. Uh, They're going to be playing Birmingham City on May 13th, I am told. Uh, And then you also have a sort of uh, unusual short league season because they're changing the calendar for the women's league here. Are you going to be playing in that as well? Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'm contracted to be here until I believe June 3rd is the last, okay. last game against uh, Liverpool. Ah, okay. So yeah, that's, uh, that's the plan. And you know, then I'll go back to Houston where it's nice and hot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I guess, like, is it possible you mentioned a little bit about how you talked to Ferran Soriano when you came here? How did this get started? How did this connection originally get made and then the decision to come play at Man City? Well, it's kind of uh, funny and ironic, actually, because I've had a, I had a trip planned to come over here through a Liverpool connection um, over Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. 
And we thought, you know, let's make a holiday out of it. Let's go to London. Let's, you know, travel to Liverpool, see a couple games. We went to an Arsenal game as well. Um, so my husband, Brian, came. And then James Galanis and his whole family, his wife and two kids came. So we made a... And James know, is, for those who don't know? Yeah, my trainer I've been okay. working with um, for, since 2003. So yeah. we we all made a, a trip of it. And then beginning of December... Um, I've got a, got an email from Nick, the manager, just talking about their spring series and how they're in Champions League and FA Cup and what the possibility of me coming over for, you know, a short-term contract uh, would entail. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you never really think it's going to all work out and a lot of things kind of had to to, to all align up for mm-hmm. me to come over here, you know, missing Houston obviously was a big deal. Um, being away from my husband, all these things. And obviously had to, you know, put into play the national team thing as well. So, um, since we were over here, you know, Nick and, and Gavin, who's the head of uh, women's football asked if we wanted to come by and check out the facility. So we came, came through, mm-hmm. uh, we all saw it, you know, we were, mesmerized mm-hmm. um couldn't believe you know everything from physio rooms locker rooms to cold tubs uh warm warm tubs everything gyms and uh after that you know started talking here and there but nothing very um you know not a formal offer right away and then i would say you know february ish uh, is when things started to really pick up like mm-hmm. hey you know what's what are you thinking? And, um, you know, it was a no brainer. We, we worked, worked it out and hmm. it was a win-win for both parties. Very cool. I mean, the transition, I mean, you kind of had to come in and just start. Like how did the transition go? Yeah, I had a, I think five days before I played in the first match with the team. So, uh, you know, my first day I got here, it was an, it was an off day. The okay. team wasn't starting until Tuesday. So I got there on a Monday um, I took the overnight flight from Philly to Manchester and, you know, at least I could kind of get my bearings, get situated in my apartment. And, uh, on Tuesday I started wow. and, you know, I just had to walk into the locker room, learn mm-hmm. everybody's name. I knew a, f- a few of the girls already. Yeah. Um, you know, Nick, he, he tends to talk very fast mm-hmm. when he's coaching and just kind of, you know, plugged me right in and mm-hmm. was trying to you know, figure everything out. But, um, you know, I was pretty comfortable. It took a few days to just get used to everything and the schedule and what I needed to wear and what I needed mm-hmm. to bring and, and all that. But yeah, it was good. Do these facilities sort of match your sort of classic intensity of, is, if I recall correctly, you sort of like to train by yourself in addition to, to the team training. Like, is, have the facilities allowed you to do that here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in heaven. Um, minus the cold, damp <laughs> days here uh, sometimes. No, this is this is my heaven. I mean, from the first week, I was pretty much camping out here. Mm-hmm. You know, we come in for breakfast as a team. We're all in the same kit. No phones. Um, we eat. You know, we, then we get ready for training. We train. We come in. We have lunch. Sometimes we go into the gym. And then I usually, um, you know, we'll shower up and chill out, do something on the computer or, or whatever, and then I'll go back out and usually do some extra running or some shooting. Hmm. Uh, but I've got to take full full advantage of this facility because anything you need is here. Mm-hmm. Free kick walls, dummies, 
um, everything is here. And so I've literally been sometimes eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner like today. Uh, <laughs> and then I go home about seven o'clock, I throw on some Netflix, and then I just repeat it the next day. Soccer junkie heaven basically is yeah. how you're describing this. Yeah. You seem very happy with a big smile on your face as you're talking about yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, some may think I'm, I'm crazy, but it's just what I've done. You know, my body is, is very calculated with what I do and, and what I need. And it's not knocking, you know, the training here or training with the national team. It's just, I need extra stuff, you know, in order to become the best and, and stay at the top and feel good. Um, I need extra stuff. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, just kind of what I've done. And, um, you know, some days I obviously don't do extra. It's just dependent on what we have. Um, going on, how I'm feeling and all that. Now, are you consuming the soccer culture here that's so strong as well in terms of do you have time to watch Premier League games on the men's side? I do. Uh, I went to the City-Liverpool match, Mm -hmm. which was great. Um, You know, wish I could have gone to some of the more games, but, uh, you know, they're, they're nearing the end of their season and We've got games when they've got games, so it, it probably will be tough to catch another one. But yeah, I've been soaking it all up. And what's crazy is that back in America, you can flip through the channels and watch any yeah. game you really want. Yeah. Here, it's harder. They don't show them on TV. <laughs> you gotta, so you gotta either go to a pub or a bar, or you actually have to go to the games. So right. I think it gets people out and and going to the stadiums. Right. Um, but yeah, I've been taking it all in, um, it's great. You know, it's, it's a, an experience of a lifetime. Have you gotten to know some of your teammates on the women's team and even some on the men's team here? Um, women's team, yes. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, you know, we, I think our, our second match, we had an away trip to Bristol, which was a four-hour bus ride. So, oh, wow. you know, we got, got to know each other a bit more and got to spend some more time and then flying to Fortuna for, you know, mm-hmm. Champions League match there. So you get to know people a little bit more when you're on the road. And um, uh, the girls have been fantastic. You know, everybody is great. Everybody has a, a different personality to them that makes them unique and special. And it's um, a great bunch to, to be around. On the men's side, um, you know, haven't, haven't met uh, a, a ton of the players yet. They actually, a bunch of them actually live in my apartment, uh, as well as Pep. So I've so seriously, uh, yeah, I've I ran into Pep the first day I got there. Our team operations uh, woman Jen was dropping some gear off to me. Yeah. So I went down, and I'm like, I think that's just Pep going by. <laughs> so I grabbed my stuff, went into the elevator, and it's just Pep and I in the elevator. Huh. He just got off the phone and. I thought to myself, all right, I'm just going to introduce myself. So I did. And he's like, oh, you made huh. it. You made it. You know, and he knew. He knew all about me. Nice. Um, very classy. You know, asked me uh, how long I'm here for. And then we ran into each other again um, yeah. after that. And then he, you know, got my, my cell number and was wishing me good luck uh, texting me. So it's pretty cool when you got Pep Guardiola. You know, That's a shoot, pretty cool shooting story. you some good luck messages. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Um I'm trying to imagine what it's like with an apartment building with all these Man City people. Um, <laughs> they roll up in nice cars, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I would imagine. Um, in the past, it seemed like women's soccer in England was maybe a bit behind women's soccer in Germany, Scandinavia, and France. Has that started changing? I think so, yeah. I, uh, 
you know, obviously Champions League is a little bit different. You know, they are new to that. Yeah. Um, as opposed to a team like Lyon, you know, they've been a part of that. They've won that. But yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I'm getting to see the best of both worlds, you know, playing in the NWSL and then coming over here and, and comparing the difference. And, and I think it's, it's definitely on its way. It's, it's getting better and better. Um, obviously some of the, you know, lower, lower teams in the league um, are still, you know, trying to, to catch up a bit. And obviously that comes down to, you know, money and signing right. players. Um, whereas I think our league in the NWSL is, is spread out with a lot of national team players on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's good, you know, it's, it's getting better and better. And I think that's what you, you want to see, you know, mm-hmm. um, more and more teams, um, you know, having the resources and, and ability to sign different players and take part in champions league is huge as well. Like when you talk about the level of the women's teams in England, how does it compare to the NWSO? I would say it's a, a little bit different. I would say tactically, there's not as much back and forth where it's just this high pace transition game. Mm-hmm. Um, in the NWSL, you know, I think any given day, any team can can show up and win. Yeah, uh, there's not much separation between majority of the teams here i would say there's obviously the likes of chelsea and arsenal and birmingham has done well and then you have a little bit of a drop off from from some other teams but tactically um you know women here city we play play good football like to build out of the back uh very smart players very technical players i would say the fitness level is is still pretty high on our Mm -hmm. side um and yeah it's uh it's good it's something different to be a part of and you know i can't say that well playing in the nwsl is better than playing over here i think both are different and both can can offer something for me personally to to improve upon okay is there a chance you might come back to play for man city in the future after this short-term contract is done i don't know i have to uh you know speak to to gavin and nick um i'm not sure you know there's there's definitely possibilities. I, I wouldn't be shutting anything out of the door, um, but I do obviously want to help support the NWSL, and you know I'm a part of Houston, um, so haven't really thought about that yet. But the plan at the moment is to you know come back to Houston and um, take part in that. There's more demand than ever from European women's teams, especially in England and France, for U.S. women's players. You know, we're seeing that in England, we're seeing that in France. What does the new CBA allow for when it comes to signing with clubs in Europe? Well, I, I think, you know, Sunil has been um, obviously, you know, open. Where he, wa- he wants his, his players, American players, to play in America, yeah. which I, I totally get. I understand, um, especially for 2019, 2020. But, you know, there there are those certain circumstances like the one that, that I'm in currently uh, where, you know, if I didn't take it, um, I wouldn't have this experience. And I think there's other players who maybe aren't in a, a great situation back in America and they want to go and experience something abroad and, and play and do something different. Um, so I, I think it's maybe a little bit of a balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think the the CBA is, 
you know, really works in our favor and kind of allows us to have that little bit of flexibility. But you, you obviously can't, you know, go for four years in, in the cycle and, and play somewhere else. I don't think that 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 would work. And obviously 2019, 2020 with big events, you know, you want to be here and Jill would probably want us to be around as well. Okay. In national team terms, what do you want to get out of 2017? Um, you know, I think we're still trying to find our identity a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think that we've obviously had some different personnel playing. We've had, um, different formations, um, it's kind of a time to experiment a little bit. Uh, so, I, you know, I think for me personally, it's just, you know, whatever role Jill and the coaching staff need me to play in, whether that is up top, whether that's attacking mid, um, you know, I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. And I think as a group, we just have to be, re you know, remain focused on, on the task at hand and, it's tough because 2017, you don't really have anything to play for, per se. But we do have some major competitions coming up, some major friendly matches that you know we need to, to focus because these are the matches that are going to make us better in 2019. So I think for me, just continuing to to get better, you know, use this experience here at City for the next couple of uh, months, you know, playing for an FA Cup. Um, hopefully, you know, talking right now, we're still in the Champions League. Um, and, you know, just, just improving. Yeah. Um, that's the majority of it. I was going to ask you where you see at this point in your career your best position being. Is that a number 10? Is that an attacking midfielder? Is that a withdrawn striker? There's different variations in there, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you could say a 9, a 10. But for me, just, just being me, just scoring goals. You know, Jill has been direct, and she wants me in front of the goal. She wants me scoring goals. And okay. I think it's a great plan. You know, I'm looking forward to it. Um, that's kind of my bread and butter, being able to attack, being able to be a, um, you know, aerial presence inside the box as well, shoot from, from distance. Um, I think for me, just kind of playing with that freedom mm -hmm. um, and that flexibility, but also kind of knowing my role and, you know, what the role is here at City and what the role is with the national team. So um, I just have to be me and, you know, come with that underdog mentality, set my teammates up, work hard for my teammates, and uh, the rest will fall into place. I do kind of smile, though, when I think back to earlier in your national team career, you were basically a holding midfielder, like a deep-lying midfielder at times, right? Yeah, I've, I've played uh, I've played it all. I've played holding mid. I've played center mid, box-to-box. -box. I've played attacking mid. I've played left mid. I've played right mid. And now uh, I'm moving higher up the pitch as a striker. It's kind of cool. I like going that way versus backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so you've now won the last two FIFA World Player of the Year awards. Has that in any way changed the way you're recognized in the wider world? I don't think so. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I've, I've, I'm still just so wired to becoming better, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, I'm not happy or satisfied with many of my performances because it's ultimately, you know, I want to get to the top. And for me, perfection is kind of it. And I know that there are no perfect matches. Um, not even the World Cup final in 2015? Well, I missed a couple more chances. <laughs> Could have had five. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so it's just, you know, I'm just, no matter what I've accomplished, no matter what I've done, I still have, you know, three years left, um, which is the plan to just leave the game with no regrets. And, you know, I don't want to be compared to anybody. I'm, I'm myself. You know, I've carved out my own career, my own legacy, and, um, you know, continue to want to help the next generation, help some of these younger players. Uh, but for me, just, you know, I just want to keep getting better. So it, being World Player of the Year is a, an incredible honor. But, um, you know, after that, I've, I've come back and I've worked, worked that much harder. Are you sort of getting used to meeting up with Lionel Messi a couple times a year and Ronaldo at these various events? Yeah, it's pretty surreal. Um, you know, it's it's crazy where football has led me, you know, to, to so many moments of standing on stage with Messi, meeting Maradona. Um, I've, I've grown up watching these players play and never in a million years would I have thought that I'd meet some of these players? Um, I think James was actually more excited to meet Maradona and get his <laughs> autograph than than I was. But uh, yeah, it's it's been um, it's been pretty cool. And you ran Maradona in Zurich, right? Yeah. So that was uh, you know that's kind of he's he's now in with FIFA. He's back. So he's he's back. <laughs> Uh, it's good to see, you know, it's good, it's good to see because I think they're really trying to bring in, you know, a whole lot of these legends and, um, I'm involved with, with FIFA as well. Um, I'll be at the Congress in, um, Bahrain. So yeah, it's good to stay involved and it's good to know that, you know, they're, they're looking after us women as well. What are you going to be doing there? Uh, just going, there's going to be a bunch of, you know, legends there as well and, um, they have a big, big thing going on at, at the Congress and just going to be a part of that. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. We're winding down here. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, you referred to this a second ago. Is it still your plan to play through the 2020 Olympics? That's the plan. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I think makes, makes it, uh, moving up higher on the pitch, you know, even I think obviously you, you know, with my age, I think it's just a number. And I think that, uh, there's loads of people that probably think, why am I still out there? Why am I still playing? Which is great. Bring it on because I've made most people eat their words over the years and will continue to do that. Um, but I feel that, you know, I still have some good, good times coming and I still feel that, um, I can make a difference. And so that's that. I've always wondered this, like for someone who often, as you've said, like you get motivated by doubters. Like once you make it, and, and believe me, you're the two-time World Player of the Year. You've made it now. You've won all the, the trophies out there team-wise and individual-wise to get, basically. D- do you have to in- invent sometimes doubters? Or do you still think there are real doubters out there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's people out there that think they know everything, Um what I've learned is that life is a process. Football is a process. No one really knows what's going on. They don't know, you know, they, they just look at their screen and and they see what they think is happening. Um, but they don't know. They genuinely don't know. And, um, there always be doubters out there. When you get to the top, it's a lonely, lonely place at the top. And, and I like that, you know, I'd rather be, someone who's at the top than then that's at the bottom. I'd rather be someone who has doubters and has to keep proving people wrong. I mean, that's just, uh, that's just, you know, my bread and butter. I enjoy it. 
So, okay. So what are you seeing out there that you think is like at this point, are you encountering people who think that you won't be able to go through 2020 or that, or what? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Age, um, play, you know, you name it. Um, but it's just, it's part of it. You know, people do it to Messi. People do it to, to everybody. It's just, uh, it's, it's part of the sport and, what I've always done is just focused on me and what I can control and what I want to do and how hard I work and being there for my teammates. And, and that's that, you know, everybody can, can say all they want, but at the end of the day, if you're putting goals in world cups and Olympics, that's what matters. Have you thought in much detail about what you might want to do after you're done playing, whether it's media or coaching or whatever else? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think depending on what kind of doors open up in the next couple of years, um, you know, I'm open to kind of anything, you know, I think, I think if I were to get into the coaching world, just like my football, I would need to spend a lot of hours doing that because I wouldn't want to just roll out as a coach and think, you know, I've played for so long and I'm, I'm a good coach now, Mm -hmm. um, because that doesn't correlate. And so I would, not want to do that until I felt I had a lot of hours and a lot of miles doing that because Mm. anything that I set myself out to do, I want to be great at it. Mm. Um, so yeah, coaching, uh, obviously want to start a family. Mm. Um, us females have a, have a ticking clock and that's a job in itself, but I'm not sure, you know, who knows commentating. I mean, there's, there's loads of stuff that, that may open up and, um, I'll have something for sure though. Very cool. Well, Carly Lloyd, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Carly Lloyd, as well as everyone at Digital Media and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, there are other great new and archived episodes you can check out, including my recent interviews with Howard Webb, John Strong, Vicente Lizarazu, Becky Sauerbrunn, and Paolo Maldini. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, and review it on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do. See you next time. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.